to save six figures with Gina Knox, the podcast where I coach you on how to save $100,000 by optimizing your cash flow. Hello, hello, savers, or should I say investors? Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're doing something special. Today we're bringing back a series that you all loved last time I did this called The Secrets of a Trust Fund Baby. Now, we last did this series from episodes 47 through 51, and this was last time we were launching Seven Figure Wealth, and we were talking about all these different wealth topics. In the last Secrets of a Trust Fund Baby series, we went over buying a car and leveraging debt and making your trust fund baby and all these amazing topics. But today I wanted to bring the series back with a little bit more nuance and some more interesting topics. So what we're going to do is we're going to record the Secrets of a Trust Fund Baby series part two. And if you have any Secrets of a Trust Fund Baby series topics that you want me to cover, you're going to go ahead and email us at info at and let us know what episodes you want to hear from us from this series. Before we jump into today's topic, I want to talk a little bit about Seven Figure Wealth because the doors for the applications close on Friday, September 29th. So you have until Friday at midnight to get your application in, but we will no longer be offering sales calls past this week, okay? So if you wanna get a sales call with me, submit your application as soon as possible to book your sales call for this week. Afterwards, my sales call calendar is closing. So if you wanna join, but you wait until the very last minute, you're gonna have to opt out of the sales call. So get your application in now. If you can't find a sales call slot that fits your calendar, email our team, info at GinaKnox.co. We will find you a slot, but I just want to set the tone that our sales call calendar is closing, even though the applications don't close until midnight on September 29th. Okay. All right. Let's jump into the first Secrets of a Trust Fund Baby Part 2 series episode, where we're going to talk about renting as a power move. I think... So many people talk about buying, right? And we even talk about buying real estate and seven-figure wealth. We love buying real estate, but I think what isn't given enough love is the idea that renting is a power move. I remember when I told one of my one-on-one clients a couple of years ago that I was renting, she was like, what? You're a money coach and you rent? And she was shocked. She was intrigued, but she was also a little bit like, man, if you got all the finances together and you're still renting, like how long is it going to take for me? I think she took it the wrong way. So I want to talk about renting as a financial power move. Before we get into the actual content of this episode, though, I want to set a little disclaimer. You can still want to buy. All right. After listening to this episode, you can still want to buy a home. But this episode is for the people who don't want to. I have a lot of clients who are like, okay, Gina, I'm interested in seven figure wealth, but like, I don't really want to buy a home. So I don't know if it's for me, right? Like that's not my end goal. I'm happy renting or they think, should I buy a home? Like I'm happy renting, but like, is this the financial move I need to make? If that is you, this is the episode for you. If you know deep in your heart, no, I want to be a homeowner or I want to get into real estate investing, this is not the episode for you. There will be another episode for you. 
do not worry. But this is specifically for my people who are happy renting, but are worried that maybe that's not the best financial move. So let's talk about that. And let's talk about why I rent. I've also owned, by the way, but we'll talk about both. Here is why renting is a huge financial wealth building power move. Renting is often cheaper than owning. And if you can have a cheaper cost of living, we can invest more. Now, I'm going to explain the math for you guys in a minute, but What I want you to imagine is everything that you've heard about real estate, which is like, you know, it's a different savings account. Renting is just throwing money away. Owning is building wealth. Well, that's not necessarily true, okay? When you own, there are plenty of expenses that you are also quote unquote throwing money away, right? Not everything, not all your expenses that you spend on your house go towards your equity, Your equity is how much value your house has that you own. So if I bought a million dollar house and I have a $600,000 mortgage and I can sell that house for a million, I have about $400,000 of equity. What that means is like if I went to sell the house, I would make a million, but then I'd have to turn around and pay the bank 600,000. So I would have 400,000 left. That's equity. Now, not every expense in home ownership adds to your equity. And when we think about real estate as a wealth vehicle, equity is the only thing that matters. So if not every expense in homeownership is adding to your equity, then no, a home is not any different than renting in the sense that you're throwing money away. Taxes are a great example. Property taxes is an expense that does not go towards your equity. You pay your property taxes every single year, no matter what, and it doesn't go towards your home equity. Mortgage interest does not go towards your home equity. Mortgage interest is the fee that you're paying to the bank or the lender for having the mortgage, but that doesn't go towards your home equity. Also, repairs. Let's not even get started on repairs. There are definitely some um, home improvements that add to your equity, right? For example, If you bought a house and it didn't have a pool and then you built a pool and let's say you spent 40 grand to build the pool, it may add to your equity because it may increase the value of the house. That's a great example of adding equity. But what about if the HVAC gets needs to be replaced? What about if a water heater gets to be replaced? If you have to replace your water heater, that's not adding to the value of your home necessarily. That's just something that you got to do. So there are, I, I just like want to start there with displacing the miss, myth that uh, renting is throwing money away. It is not. There are plenty of plenty of examples of throwing money away in homeownership that you never get back in terms of your equity. Now, here's why I love renting as a power move. As a renter, I am not responsible for so many expenses. As a renter, I have a fixed monthly rate. My rent right now is $2,850, $2,850 a month. But last summer, the HVAC on our house did break. By Texas law, our landlords had to replace it because in the summer, we with the heat, being over 100, there is risk of death. And so they had to pay $15,000 to get our HVAC replaced. 
that wiped out basically any profit that they made off of us, right? And that's $15,000 that we didn't have to pay. We pay our flat $2850 a month. We also don't have to pay for their property taxes. We don't have to pay if the water main breaks or if there's a leak on the property. We don't have to pay for a new roof. We don't have to pay when they had to replace our dishwasher because it literally leaked all over the place and it was rotting the rotting the drywall behind the dishwasher. We haven't had to pay for so many things that a homeowner, i.e. the homeowners of this house, do have to pay for. Now, there are some landlords, right, that are like super slummy and they don't fix anything and they make it impossible to live there. We're lucky that we have really responsible landlords. But if I just tally up the expenses of non-mortgage interest expenses that they have had to pay since we've lived here, it is well over 20 grand. So I want to take you through two examples, a homeowner and a renter, and show you how renters can often end up ahead financially, especially in this market where home prices have skyrocketed so much compared to our parents' generation. Okay, so I'm just gonna use my actual numbers. I'm gonna imagine that every time my landlords have to pay for something out of pocket, like the HVAC or maintenance or anything like that, as a renter, I don't have to cover that. And I'm gonna imagine that I'm gonna take the same amount of money that they had to pay out, and instead, I'm gonna get to put that money in my income generating portfolio. So I'm gonna do a calculation for 30 years because the average length of a mortgage is 30 years. And I'm gonna say that this last year, I put $20,000 in my income generating portfolio, just like my landlords had to put over $20,000 into this house, into the maintenance of this house. And then conservatively, I'm gonna say that every year afterwards for the next 30 years, I'm gonna put $5,000 into the, into the market. Just like I'm gonna conservatively say that my landlords are gonna put $5,000 at least into just non-equity generating maintenance of this house. Okay, so as a renter, I get to put 20K into the market plus an additional 5K per year where my landlords have to spend that on maintenance. At the end of 30 years, I'm going to have $1,380,369.89. That is just if I match how much money my landlords are spending on maintenance on the house. That's not even considering property taxes, right? Property taxes are usually tens of thousands of dollars additional a year. So let's actually add that in. So if I'm just matching their maintenance fees of, you know, $5,000 a year plus this one year of $20,000, if instead I do $15,000 a year, assuming a $10,000 property tax payment plus an additional $5,000 of maintenance. Now, if I match that in my portfolio, now my portfolio is worth $3,316,323.56. That is an enormous portfolio. And I want you to ask yourself, do you think that this little house that probably cost $300,000 is gonna appreciate to over $3.3 million in 30 years? I doubt it. I doubt it. It would be a big stretch of the imagination to say that their home equity is going to outpace my portfolio for the same expenses that they're paying on property taxes and maintenance. If I just took the same amount of money and put it in the market, 
which I get to do as a renter because I have a flat fee of home expenses, I'm going to win every time. I'm going to win every time. And I think that that's the biggest, um, that's the biggest aha, right? As a renter, I have a flat guaranteed fee. Now, of course, they could raise the rent and they probably will. Actually, they did. They raised our rent by $50 this last year. And that's fine. Like, I'm willing to take the risk that they raise the rent because also, even if I didn't get to contribute $15,000 a year every year after that, if I only got to contribute the $20,000 this year that I didn't have to pay in the HVAC and the and the dishwasher fees, I would still have a portfolio worth $412,393.05. There is no world in which their home equity is going to outpace that unless it's extraordinary circumstances, right? Extraordinary circumstances. And now this house is not in a city. This house is not not in like a downtown area. This house is not necessarily in a neighborhood that's going to become a big like multi-million dollar property one day. This is in a suburb, (laughs) right? This is in a suburb. Yes, there's definitely room for this house to appreciate in value, but I don't think there's that much room. I truly don't think there's that much room. So when we think about like secrets of a trust fund baby, trust fund babies do the math. Trust fund babies don't take the societal like little sayings at face value. Trust fund babies don't just hear, oh, renting is throwing money away and just say, yeah, you're right. (laughs) No, trust fund babies do the math. And if I do the math, I win every time. So if you're a renter and if you have no aspirations to become a homeowner, that you're probably in a better position financially, actually, when you learn how to leverage the stock market, right? Because there is a big difference between someone who's a renter and then spends the rest of their money just on current lifestyle stuff. They are not going to end up ahead financially in the end. The homeowner will. But as a renter, if I invest the extra money that I didn't have to spend on home maintenance and other home things into the stock market, into my income generating portfolio, I will always win. I will always win. So if you're a renter, you have a golden opportunity to take advantage of the fact that you have a monthly fixed rate. You have a monthly fixed rate. Anything goes wrong, you're not on the hook. Property taxes go up, you're not on the hook. The HVAC breaks, you're not on the hook, right? And because you're not on the hook, you can build your income generating portfolio faster. Now, like I said at the beginning, huge disclaimer, you can still want to be a homeowner. In Seven Figure Wealth, I talk about the only reason that really, really matters for wanting to buy a home is your desire. If you just have the desire for home ownership for any reason, you want a backyard for your dog, you want more space for your kids, you want a place to call your own that you know that no one's ever going to kick you out of, right? There's plenty of good reasons to still want to buy a home and to still do it financially safely, but just buying a home because you think that it's the way to build financial wealth, just buying a home because your parents told you that renting is throwing money away, just buying a home because you think that like this is what generational wealth means is not a great idea. It's just not a great idea because there are so many better ways that take less time and less money and less energy than home ownership and home maintenance to also build generational wealth. 
So if you want to buy a home, let's help you buy a home. But if you're only buying a home because of the financial, like because you think it's the financially responsible thing to do, let's reevaluate because renting is a power move. All right. Renting is a power move. I love renting. I've also loved owning. I love both, but not because I think I need to own a home in order to build wealth. I do not. In fact, I've built more wealth as a renter than as a homeowner. Okay. Applications for Seven Figure Wealth are closing this Friday. I want you to get your application in. We still have nearly 100 days of 2023 left. There is so much we can accomplish in 100 days. There's so many ways that you can walk into 2024 wealthier. I want that for you. And if you're at all curious, if you're at all like, mm, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I'm a good fit. I don't know if I should do this or six figure saver. I don't know. Like if you're at all like having these questions, that's okay. Still submit an application because we can discuss it on the sales call. I always say at the beginning of every single one of my sales calls, my goal is to get you out of maybe. I want you to walk away from the sales call a confident yes or a confident no. Either way, I don't want you to be stuck in maybe. So we just need to answer all your questions and have a chat about if this is a good fit for you. That is my only goal on our sales call is to get you out of maybe. So if you're in maybe, it is the perfect reason to apply. Okay, I cannot wait to review your application. I can't wait to meet you on our sales call. Let's get going. All right, I'll see y'all in the next episode.